Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com, and it features interviews and stories about and related to music. Matt Stevens is a musician and composer from North London, an instrumental artist. He uses an acoustic guitar and sampler to create multi-layered tracks live. His music has been described as a guitar orchestra and is played live all over the UK and also plays with a group called The Fierce and the Dead. His new album, Lucid, is due out the end of March and he's joined on the album by a bunch of great musicians including Pat Mastelato from King Crimson, Lorenzo Feliciati from The Naked Truth, Charlie Kaywood from Nafworld, and Jem Godfrey of Frost. Tell me about how you first got into music. I got into it through uh, always being Guns N' Roses in that, and sort of those sort of bands, and, you know, it's 88, 89, so it was, I was 14, so it was all Iron, was Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses, all that sort of thing. And what happened, well, I went to this, I had this guitar teacher, and he was a... Um, well, sort of jazz rock guitarist. He was into like Holdsworth and King Crimson and the Mad Vision Orchestra. And basically, he sort of warped my brain um, from when I was about 14, 15 to be playing crazy time signatures and all that. And then I was into like um, Huskadoo and Sonic Youth and Black Flag and American sort of hardcore bands and uh, dissonant guitar stuff and things like that. And I sort of mixed those two things and played an acoustic guitar. And that's kind of how I ended up doing what I do, really. So... You know, it's, 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 it was, it was, I was just quite lucky to have a guitar teacher who was into all that sort of stuff, really. I understand you first started on bass, or is that totally wrong? I've played bass, played bass for a couple of years in a band. Um, I've been playing guitar in bands, and I always does that thing of um, people sort of say quite nice things about my guitar playing, which is fantastic, but could never really get anywhere. So in the end, what we decided to do is move from where I lived in Northamptonshire down to London. And I was basically put a power trio together because it was the easiest thing to do. And it's basically, I, I, I was when he could probably play bass a bit. So I just played bass and off we moved to London. I, I played bass for a couple of years to try and sort of get us the band going. It never really got going. I ended up playing guitar again. But it was, it was, it was more of a sort of, and I always sort of played guitar for a bit. But I had two years essentially playing bass, which was, which was is very good for you musically because um, with playing with playing bass it's so much you've got so much control over things and then you can play um so if someone's playing a and you play c and b and d and e over the top of it you start to play inversions you can create some really interesting sounds so when i'm doing stuff on acoustic guitar now a lot of the time i'll be using sort of counterpoint and stuff that i've learned from playing jazz and from playing um sort of learning bark things and, and sort of classical things i'll be using those over the in the context of playing rock and people have this misguided view that you're fairly original in what you're playing, but in fact what you do is taking sort of a multitude of 
influences and recontextualizing it so it's anything you can do that's going to get your brain to work in a give it a slightly different angle on things um so it's like for example playing bass or, or you know learning learning a different style will always be useful in the context of, of rock because it's so easy to sort of because people don't really use like chord inversions or this so it's sort of odd timings there's so many things that people don't really use um anything you can sort of use to stand out it's, it's fairly easy to sort of um to do something new with so yeah it's, it, it was a really useful thing to do and when did you first get into the acoustic solo thing 2005 uh, i started well basically i was uh, going for the play, playing bass thing i've moved to london um and i played in sort of indie rock bands and there were sort of indie rock bands where i'd sort of try and bring in sort of funny chords and weird notes and all that sort of thing really and you know interesting stuff and it's always a case of people didn't really want that so what happened in the end was I, um, those bands split up and I was left with just the acoustic guitar and my looper pedal. Um, it wasn't even a real looper pedal. It was a delay pedal, actually, that I adapted to use as a looper pedal. And um, I ended up with that was the only equipment I had, really. So it was a case of all I could really do was, was use what I had. And because I couldn't drive or anything, it wasn't like I was going to be able to carry around a Marshall stack. or And so pre the internet, was quite. I, was, I wasn't online at that point. I wasn't you know, really networking or anything like that, so I didn't know anybody. So it's just a case of using the tools I had to develop a new sound. Uh, once I sort of learned that I could get a new sound out of it, I realised, well, hey, Apple can just do loads of layers with guitars here and do so many different things with it. it. You know, you could have 16 guitar parts and really orchestrate the guitars like you can on a Radiohead or a Johnny Marr record. And you can sort of think, well, okay, this could be a really interesting thing to do. So then it became an approach that was no longer out of necessity, but of choice. So yeah, it was it was a really useful thing to do. And when did you record your first solo album? Um, two thousand and eight. Well, I did, I did an EP in two thousand and seven, and then um, I did one. I did an album in two thousand eight that I'd been recording for 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 I think for a year or so before that. So. I can't remember for the EP. Yeah, the EP was started in 2007. And then the first album came out in 2008. It was just acoustic guitar, that was, and just layers and loops and, you know, just pretty much as a live record um, that we sort of recorded. Um, and then uh, I, I just did loads of gigs off the back of that. And then I ended up doing sort of lots of prog sort of type gigs because people sort of heard that I was doing things with odd timings. I talked about Robert Fripp a lot and people sort of adopted me into the prog thing, which was great. So... Then I could do a lot of these sort of gigs supporting like well-known progressive rock bands, and I did the Ghost album two years after that, where it was, um, you know, had, had a lot more layers on it, and it was more of a, you know, a collaborative sort of thing. So yeah, it was a gradual sort of um, a gradual move, really. But yeah, well, I started in two thousand eight with that. So tell me about the new album. Yes, uh, it's all done. So um, I've just spent the last uh year working on that really which is and this one's more about um taking the acoustic guitar and moving towards probably a more electric sound but it's, I mean, it's still stuff that sounds like the, the earlier material with the acoustic guitars but this one's more sort of um it's got a lot of guests on it um it's got jim godfrey from frost playing a solo on it it's got um uh pat from king crimson on it it's got a lot of friend lorenzo on it uh, we've just got lots of really interesting people. I mean, and a lot of these sort of guys that I've met really through um, doing funny progressive rock gigs, really, and, and just 
gradually becoming friends with people and someone just says to you, you want Pat from King Crimson to play on your record? He's like, yes, please. Yes, I would like that. And it's, you know, it's, there was no real plan. Um, and then my friend Stuart played drums on it. He's an incredible drummer. And uh, Charlie plays a band called Knife World, played bass on it. And um, my friend Emmett, who's in Chrome Hoof and Guapo and Knife World. And I just, it's just basically from, from my friends, really, who play on the record. And it, it was just, you know, and then there's loads of other people I could have had work and I'd like to work with, you know, like say Simon again, I'd love to work with him. And, and I've done Shine Back with him as well. Um, but yeah, it was just really, um, really to a pool of pool of mates, really, and you know everything was done um, by ch- chance and by the people I was friends with, really. Well, I got a chance to listen to uh, the bridge really quickly, and it sounds awesome. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Um, there, there's a lot of other tracks on the record as well, where, this, where they've got more of the sort of uh, acoustic sort. Of feel and stuff so it's, it's quite a varied record but yeah i mean it was, it's very much like um to have to have the violins on there and have the the sort of heavy parts and then the, there's a lot of variation on it really i suppose so it's uh yeah, yeah it's, there's a lot there really i suppose i just want to tell you i've been listening to your music um both your solo stuff and the fierce and the dead and it's been really inspiring to me to want to get out there on my own I mean, that's very comedy. Thank you. I mean, the thing with the face of the dead was very much about, um, making it. Cause a lot of people think instrumental rock bands, it's going to be widdly solos all the way through and all that kind of thing. And um, that's kind of not really what we do. There's not a lot of solo in, there's not lots of, there's not lots of flash playing and it's kind of quite song orientated. It's very much a case of, um, even though we haven't got a singer, it's still very much about having this quite structured sort of tight performance, especially on the spooky action record. And, um, it's gone down really quite well. The album, the reviews being really po- positive and that, and which has been fantastic. And yeah, um, I mean, you do get the sort of people sort of say to you, it's like, well, why haven't you got a singer? And it's like, well, why, why have, why have other people got singers? I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, no one says, um, to uh no one said to john coltrane why haven't you got singing on it or no one said to bark there's there's no singing on this it's like why does rock why do rock bands have to have singers really so um we just did it because we lo- we loved it you know doing it like that so yeah it was it was it's a funny one really um but it, it's, the reaction's been really positive and thank you for that it's very kind um but the, the reaction from the um and reviews and you know it's sold reasonably well and, and people seem to like it so and um, we've been doing a load of gigs recently and most of the gigs are getting quite busy now so which is which is pretty amazing because when you sort of think well this is really odd music for people to be actually coming and seeing because it's like you know there's no vocal hook for them there's no there's nothing for them there really to you know if people don't know it and a lot of people are put off by anything that, you know, rock, instrumental rock music. What's that sort of about? But when they come and see the show and it's, it's quite an energetic, you know, we're not really, we don't just stand there and look at our instruments. We're, we're a rock band live. We, we move around and we, we really sort of put a lot into the performance of it. And um, I think it's the way we present it. And we've sort of played shows with hardcore bands and, and, and really sort of noisy thrash punk bands and, and gone down all right. And, you know, we, we play with um, progressive rock bands and, also, and, and post-rock as well. We've done sort of post-rock nights, and although we're neither and not any of those things, and we don't really fit in, um, it's been you know one of those uh, sort of a really good experience of playing with all those various different types of bands. You know what I mean? Because 
Because we can sort of get away with it, really. This is the Fierce and the Dead with Ark off the spooky action record.
Well, so you guys have shows coming up soon that you're doing? Yeah, loads. Yeah, um, I mean, we've got. It's been it's been the first year. It's actually been weird. The first year we've we've been able to um, sort of book stuff, and people have. Before it was quite difficult to sort of explain to people what we were doing, really, because it's weird instrumental music. But now people have have, have sort of come to us um, who we couldn't get gigs with last year. Have come to us offering things, which is fantastic. So it kind of shows that the, the things got a little bit better for us, really. So. Um, I think all in all, it's, it's it's getting better. It's just a long old graft, really. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's definitely it's definitely getting better. And you know, we're, we're doing festivals this year, and um, we've we've we're doing, we've been offered a lot of really good gigs. We're going out with bands like Henry Fall, who's, and and uh, we're doing this sort of really nice sort of um, post rock uh, festival in Leeds. And no, it's really good. And what we really want to do next year is is get to America and to Europe and that's the goal for next year really because it's the only way to i think in terms of the uk there's not that much sort of left for us to do you know we've played everywhere really so really it's, it's the next sort of big job is to is to try and get to europe and, and the states and and sort of gradually work our way around what, what we are thinking of um there's been a, a few festivals that are interested in having us over there into um to do like if we could do one gig in america in, in a festival and use that to fund a short tour and then sort of come home, sort of just do a week or two, and then sort of come back. But we just have to see what what comes up, really. But we really, you know, playing the stuff from Spooky Action Live is really good fun. Um, it's, it's 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 a really really enjoyable sort of thing. So yeah, no, it's um, it's 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 been a really good. It's just been amazing that sometimes we sort of take a step back and think the really. You know, there's a hundred people here, and we're in this big, quite a big venue, and it's quite busy, and they're jumping around to this weird instrumental rock music. But but it works, you know what I mean? So it's it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's just it shouldn't work, really, to be honest, but it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you guys have been together. You said almost twenty years, or just you just known the guys. The Face and the Dead started in two thousand and four. Um, 2010, sorry. I mean, I, I played with the guys off and on since school. Um, and Steve, well, apart from Steve, Steve hadn't played with us before, but um, he plays guitar in the band. But initially, it was me, um, me, Stuart, and Kev had basically had various different bands through our 20s. Um, and then 2010, we sort of we started this, we got together to have a jam. We thought, well, we still play together and we sort of play with each other off and on. And there was that sort of unique sort of chemistry there, really, that we sort of played together a lot. So we did, we did, um, we played this, we did this thing called Part One, which is this really long, it was basically, it, was, it wasn't even supposed to be a band, it was supposed to be for something else. And um, we just jammed this thing out and recorded it, and it became this this first EP, and people really liked it. So then we sort of carried on, and we've really enjoyed doing the music. And we got Steve in on uh, on acoustic, on on second guitar in 2011, so, so 2011, end of 2011, start of 2012. We did the, the EP and that, and then it's it's been four years facing the dead basically. So it's gradually grown. It's been a very very gradual thing. I think we never expected it to become as popular as it has now. So, um, you know, in terms of our very limited ambitions, we've already exceeded any expectations we ever had. So anything that we're, we're currently anything that happens now is a bonus point. So, you know, to, to play to sort of, you know, we, last time we played in London, 
in sort of North London show, there was there's you know 150 200 people at these gigs now. So it's like we've all this is this is beyond what we expect. So you know, uh, we'll just have to see what happens with it all. Really, um, what is your you guys's writing process? Do you do do you go away? Each one of you goes away and pull stuff, or you guys jam? It's a bit of everything, really. Um, what will tend to happen is myself or one of the other guys will bring an idea in. Um, so it might be one riff or one couple of chord sequences, or it might even be just a, um, you know, sort of feel. Or we sort of develop it as a collective. Um, so the difference between the solo album. So if, say if I bring an idea in for the solo record, it's like I will decide what happens, and I have the sort of pretty much the final stay over it. Whereas with, if it's with Face and the Dead, it's very much a collaborative process. So it'll be, you know, the other guys will have an equal say. It's certainly not my band, the Face and the Dead. It's a question of all of us working together. So what I'd say, you know, the process of it is, is someone brings an idea in and we all sort of batter it to get death and change the parts. And everyone's got the, you know, the, everyone's free to come with their own parts. And by the time it comes out the other side, it sounds like us. And so the process is very much, someone brings something in, we all come up with parts for it, and then it comes out the other side, and it's, it's no longer what we expected it to be when he first brought it in, but it's normally something quite interesting. So that tends to be why we talk about with stuff, really. And it's, how, how does that differ from your um, own stuff, working on your own material? With the solo stuff, I tend to come up with a chord sequence or, or a little riff, and then I'll develop it on my own. Um, and sometimes the collab... What I tend to do with, the, like, with this record, it's been very much a question of, of getting the collaborators in and sort of... Um, it's like with, with these... It's not a case of... I'll give them a rough outline of what they want, of what I want from it, or, or Kev will program some, something, Kev will produce the record, and we'll have some a rough outline, but really... I think the key is to choose people who are really good and let them do what they do because um, if you've got really good players, it seems pointless to try and say to them, you do this, you know what I mean? If, if we can, what you want them to do is be signature players. You can just come in and, you know, like Gem solo on um, The Ascent. He, he, I didn't tell him what to do at all. I just said, we just talked about the Malvision Orchestra for a bit and then, <laughs> and then just off you go. Uh, and how it came and it was the same with um pat's parts and lorenzo and and stewart and charlie and all these guys it was just you know it's just if you've got really good players they that that, and you put them in a room and you give them you know fairly interesting parts to play you'll get something great out the other end and you know it's, it's it's with the parts um like some of the things like you're getting Pat's playing 13s and 7s and, and you get gems solo, you're going to get something interesting at the end of it. And I think so much of it is, is there's two ways you can do it. There's the Frank Zappa way, which you score everything out and you get into exactly by the book, by, by your original arrangement, sorry. Or you can do it the Miles Davis way, which is to bring people in and then let them play play what they do, really. And, you know, that's they use their signature sounds. I'm very much of the, of the let them do what they, they do and don't try and arrange things too much and, and try and get, try and put, create an interesting uh, place for interesting things to occur. So the act of composition is very much bringing the people and letting them get on with it rather than, than, than saying, you know, I'll give them the chords and the, and the rough outline of it. Uh, but I'll say to them, you know, you do, you do your thing here. Cause that's why, you know, if, if I wanted them to sound like me, I could do it myself. You know what I mean? So that's not what I want. I want people to do interesting parts. Yeah. I always like that. What uh, Miles Davis said, he was like, 
play what you hear. And he told that to the guys, and I was like, oh, I like that that whole idea about just kind of even letting things happen on the spot because you're gonna get you might get some magic there, and if it's recorded, then that could be you know something historical rather than working it out for so long that it becomes um it's lost its magic yeah exactly yeah you know it's like it's so easy to to you know become so attached to your original idea that you don't you're not open to these happy accidents happening so sometimes there'll be stuff where you think oh no i really missed that chord or that's not that lead part that note's not quite right but it might be the magical note that lifts the whole thing and so it's so many things if, if you listen to like captain beefheart and stuff there's so many stuff on that you sort of think is that right well it's, it's certainly interesting and, and surely that's more interesting than, than just having stuff that's completely you know completely correct all the time so so much of it is about it is, is those little happy accidents that, that can create magic and you know certainly if you listen to like miles davis in a silent way you know the guys doing, playing it didn't really know what was going on but what came out of it was one of the most beautiful things i've ever heard and because they were, it was the question of you got those brilliant musicians into a room and just said, here's an idea, let's go. And you, you, you work from there. And that's, that's sometimes how you get the best results. But you have to be really careful who you pick to work with, though. <laughs> so that, that's the art of it. You got you to gotta have people who are going to um, hit, knock, as, as we say here in America, knock the ball out of the park. <laughs> that's it yeah you want that yeah that's, that's very true i mean I've, i'm really lucky that you know so i've got a lot of good mates who are, who are really good musicians and i think a lot of it's because sort of going on tour with knife world last year and and in those you know they're fantastic players and you know carvis was in the band called cardiacs and i don't know if you know yeah and amazing band and yeah i I, I know I know of them uh well I know of them through Jim Godfrey talking about them in an interview and then and that then there was a guy out here who decided to put on a um uh a cardiacs cover show so he pulled all these people together to do this as a benefit for for Tim and um and you know they sent him a whatever money the proceeds they had but but it was it was great for me because I got really exposed to the music and seeing seeing people play it live. Now some of the groups were better than others, but there were some there were some amazing moments that night. It's not it's not easy to play, is it? That stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, me and um, Jem, well, Jem's Jem likes a lot of the same sort of bands I do. He likes Mavish and orchestra and and. and you know, um, and Crimson and, and uh, sorry, and um, Cardiacs and, you know, he's into a lot of the same sort of things. So, um, he, he yeah, he's, he's a big Cardiacs fan as well. Because, I mean, when a Knife World are sort of, um, I think they're very much their own thing. They're a very original, brilliant band. Um, but obviously, you know, Carvis was in, was one of those guys, you know what I mean? So he was in one of, one of these, you know, he was, he was in Cardiacs. He's the, he's, you know, if you watch the, there's a really great video of Cardiacs on the internet, which is um, them in a rehearsal studio and they're just playing these tunes. And it's, if you've not seen it, you just Google Cardiacs. I think, I think I've seen, they're kind of just all sitting around. Yeah, and Jim's quite naked. Right. Yeah, he's got the dot and they're going. And Carlos is there. Carlos is a guitarist. He's he's my friend Carlos playing the guitar. It's just, 
it's just bizarre that you know he, he's a, he's a mate of mine, but it's you know it's also it was in one of those bands, you know, and well you know one of the the really great bands. It's it's very hard to um, it's very hard for me to sort of correlate those those two things, but which is just fantastic. That he's doing it, you know what I mean? And and it was great. So I mean, yeah, I, I'm very lucky to be in London at a time. When there's guys, you know, I've got to hang around with those guys and tour with them, and, you know, and, and become friends with Jem. And just to be in London at this particular time and see, you know, become mates with Simon Godfrey and do Cosmograph, I've done as well. And, and you know, um, it's like the other day I was, I was, in, I was watching a, a band. I went to see my friend Lorenzo play. And um, I, was, I, went, I went around the back of the stage and, and it's London weird music scenes really small and it, it um they introduced me to this guy david and i was like oh well, nice to meet you man and it's like yeah i was um and i you know and, and he's talking to this other guy he was, he was um and so he's oh that's david jackson he used to be in van de graaff generator and i was like oh wow and this is my friend david who he was david cross from king crimson and i was just like this is just this is just bizarre that you know what i mean it's almost like you meet a few people and there seems to be this really weird sort of thing where you, you suddenly meet everybody it's bizarre man it's like i, I you know I'm, I'm i'm a fan you know what i mean i'm not a, you know i'm one of these guys i mean it's just it's great to meet all these guys but it's just i think with the with the weird music scene and the sort of prog magazine as well and there's so much sort of going on and there's a guy there's a dj called steve davis he's just, he's well-known snooker player as well but um he's he's, he's playing lots of stuff and my friend david elliott and there's lots of stuff going on there's lots of labels and it's a weird time to be doing weird music because there's suddenly a little bit of an audience for it, um, which, you know, you wouldn't have ever thought that before, but the, the, the sort of the off the other side of it is people have started to do, people have started to go as many in this year prog because they think there's a, you know, there's, there's a national magazine and there's a lot going on. I think people think this is, it's a bigger scene than it probably is, but um, it's an interesting time, and there's there's lots of gigs going on, and it's great for me and the band because we, you know we're getting gigs all the time, and we're doing really weird music completely without any compromise whatsoever. You know, I'm mean, just doing what we want to do, yet we get to do lots of gigs. And and I think ten years ago, before the internet, and before people sort of um, linked up and got to know each other through social media and that, I don't think that would have been there. I think so much of you know, being doing a band doing really weird music, you wouldn't have stood a chance ten years ago. But now, you're never going to make a lot of money from it, and everything. But you can have a small audience of a few thousand people that may well support you. So it's it's quite a good time, really. You know what I mean? It's it's very hard work, and it's very much a case case of working, building your audience one person at a time, and you know, shaking hands and and making sure the relationship with the audience is. Because you got, they don't. No one owes you anything. You got. I, th- I feel very grateful if anyone buys our records. To be honest, it's you know, it's 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 a massive thing, and it really means a lot to me that anyone either listens to it or or buys it. It's just fantastic. But um, I think it's an unusual time, and we'll see. I, th- I think what will happen in a few years' time, there'll be less stuff about, and there'll be lots of audience pe- musicians with an audience for a few hundred people. And if you keep your costs down, you can probably keep going. But at the moment, it seems almost like, you know, there's more press and there's all sorts of stuff going on. It's just sort of bizarre, really, that there's all these opportunities around for people making funny records. It's really weird. This is Matt Stevens with 
Frost. What's your feeling about BitTorrents and illegal downloads or the like? I don't even know if we consider it to be illegal anymore. I mean, I guess technically it is, but so many people do it and get their music that way nowadays that it's become part of the culture. Um, as a musician, I kind of have always felt like, well, that's cheating the musician. Some people just kind of feel like they want to do it because they don't want to pay maybe record labels. I mean, I love now that it can go direct to, you can go direct to an artist and pay them directly for their stuff rather than, you know, there being all these other people are getting a part of it. Now the musician is getting more of it, but in terms of the torrents out there, uh, I don't know. It's, it's something that I kind of like to ask people and I kind of feel like it's, um, not so much controversial as is like, well, you either like it because it's getting you more exposure or you don't like it because it's eating part of what you might have as profits or breaking even. Yeah, my thoughts, I mean, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I think it gives and it takes away because people discover you through Torrenting. I think that's a useful thing. I think Torrenting is less defend. I mean, I think a few years ago, I was quite excited that Torrenting was getting people a new audience. Now everything can be streamed on YouTube or Spotify. I think it's less defendable, to be honest, because, um, I mean, even though Spotify is a massive rip-off for artists and we don't know it makes any money out of it, but at least there's a legal way of doing it. So, I mean, I think as a musician, you really want to be heard. Uh, I think if you're not on, on, on torrent insights, um, you probably want to worry a little bit because um, sometimes it's useful to be on there. You know what I mean? Because there are certain, I think there's certain people who will torrent music. There's certain people who buy music from record shops. There's certain people who stream music. There's certain people who buy music from iTunes. And it's very hard to move them from one camp to another. Um, I think a lot of the torrenters have possibly moved to Spotify because it's legal and it works really well. But, uh, Neither of those two things are particularly going to make you a living. And the other argument as well is, well, you can go on tour. And if you go on tour, you'll, you know, um, you'll make all the money back. But if you go on tour at a band at our level, we break even if we're doing well. I mean, we did a seven-day tour uh, last year, and well, just before the last year. And we were so happy that we didn't lose any money. We covered the van, we covered the... Um, hotels and you know we and these weren't you know this was the cheapest hotels you could possibly go to you know what I mean this wasn't and sometimes we'd sleep on the floor one guy was sleeping in the van sometimes so these weren't easy tours there wasn't you know there was no road crew there was no everyone was working doing everything ourselves driving ourselves everything um, and for for us for bands like us touring is a losing either losing or break even thing so we can't it's very hard to make a living from, you can't make money out of downloads you can't make money out of touring and it's almost like well if you were doing this for the money you wouldn't be doing it basically I mean I do it because I love it and I love the music and I'm really passionate about the music but I'm certainly not you know I think I don't know. The internet has given and take away. It's given us a fantastic, wonderful chance to talk to an audience, and it's, it's that's like, that's a gift. I think that's much better than it was before. But yeah, I mean, torrenting as I mean, I think the real problem at the moment is trying to get to stand out, really, to get anyone to listen to what you're doing, because there's so much music coming through. It's just you know, there's so many records coming out. Um, there's so many things every time I switch on Facebook there's a, you know there's so many different things pop up and you just sort of think well how can I possibly listen to this and what I end up doing is mostly listening to my mates band so I listen to Shine Back and I listen to Frost and they've got something new out or, or I listen to Knife World or Cardiacs or, or I'd listen to you know I'm very excited about I'm going to see King Crimson the Crimson Project next week and um, I know a few of those guys and you know it's, it's, i tend to listen to that because that's all i have time to i've got i've got a two-year-old son and i'm you know and tomorrow morning i've got to be up at seven to, to go and teach music for people with autism so you know and, and do and work with them and, and do other things not just music and you know it's, there's so much going on that if you can get people just to listen even if they're not paying you've won <laughs> basically <laughs> will you tell me a bit about uh you say you you teach uh, music to people with autism. Well, I do. I'm, I do a job called social training, basically. So what I do is um, we do music, we do um, various different things, to, and it's a very it's a wonderful job. I really like it. 
Um, and if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff because, you know, I, I, I do that and then I do um, Facing the Dead and I do my solo stuff. And between all those things, I'm starting to do a little bit of teaching guitar. Between all those things, I just about managed to pay my bills. And that's that's how, that's the reality of it, basically. You know what I mean? So if, um, if it wasn't for any one of those three things, and I write a column for a magazine called Acoustic, which is an acoustic guitar column about you know using a looper pedal and doing sort of weird experimental things with acoustic guitars, which is, and that's another sort of little source of revenue, and those things sort of add up to basically making a living from it, and that's that's how I do it. If I was to, you know, if I was I, I survived on just doing the music for two years, and I don't know how, I, and it was so hard. I mean, it was just and it almost takes all the fun out of the music to be honest so it's we're at a time where really musicians need multiple income streams to be able to survive so and the next job for me i'm going to write a book about um to go guitar theory but fairly unconvinced it's more just about um different ideas for the guitar because i find people get stuck in ruts and it's, it's going to be like a series of ideas to inspire people to do different things with the guitar and if people read the book and throw out all my ideas but come up with new ideas of their own i'll be really happy but it's just basically a sort of something to get people out of any ruts they're in their playing so things to sort of throw them off and new musical ideas really like it's like a little ideas book um so that's the next sort of project really after the album's done but i'm also doing an album I'm recording with a guy called Andy Tillerson, who plays in a band called The Tangent. So I've just been up doing an album with him, um, and I've been doing an album with a guy called um, Lorenzo, who plays in a band called Naked Truth, Pat Maslotto, and he's a bass player, so I've been doing an album with him. Um, and do you know um, a band called No Man? Which is um, Tim Bonus. Um, I've been doing some, I'm hopefully going to start doing, that's the next project to do with him. And uh, I've been talking to a guy called Colin Edwin, he used to be in Porcupine, well, he's still in Porcupine Tree, about doing some stuff with him. So, really, musicians like me, so you have to do so many different projects and different things to be able to sort of keep it all going. Is the only way to do it is have is multiple projects, different income streams, a bit of teaching, a bit of you know working with people who learn difficulties in autism and things like that. And there's so many different things you can do as a musician um, that it's not just it's you know if I was you can't just go out and do Fierce and the Dead or I couldn't just do acoustic stuff. I couldn't just write my column. I couldn't just do the working with people with autism. It's none of those things would provide an income that would support my family. So I have to do all these different things to keep it all going. And it's, it's, it's our work, but it's brilliant as well. And I'm very, very lucky to be able to do it, I think. So, yeah, no, it's great, but it's, it's quite stressful. One of the things that I wanted to ask you that uh, you just kind of mentioned um, was kind of about your effects and, and loop, doing the looping pedal with the guitar. Um, do you, are you ever inspired by different pedals and or is it you just kind of stick with just the looping and and doing the the uh guitar thing um because i i work with a guitar player who has like he has a, a giant pedal board and all these pedals and he says it, it helps him it inspires him to because he'll he'll create different things because based on the sound he's getting at that moment i find that I like a fairly limited palette of sounds, to be honest. What I'm trying to do um, is get better at using them. So, for example, at the moment, my pedal board is two delay pedals, um, a freeze pedal, which is an electroharmonics freeze pedal that um, basically just holds a chord. It's like, you know, like a sustain chord pedal on a keyboard. Yeah. 
It sort of does that. It holds chords down. It's like a micro loop pedal. I've got a Fuzz uh, harmonizer that I just use for making funny squeaky noises. And um, that's about it. I think that's about it at the minute in my, my pedal. Um, sometimes I've got a little sort of synth pedal that's got like a synth, like it simulates going through an old analog synth sort of thing, which is quite cool. Um, sometimes I use a whammy pedal as well, but I don't use a great deal. And I think what I'd say is what really inspires me is learning a limited amount of effects really well. And really, like, I use a pedal called the Line 6 DL4, which is one of the most limited pedals there are for looping. It's not, it's not a great pedal, to be honest. But, and it's, um, but I've learned it so well that I can make it do really interesting things because I know the, you know, the sounds. And sometimes I, I, just don't, I haven't really got any sort of, um, um, I haven't really got, like choruses and flanges and things, nothing like that in my rig. So everything's fairly simple. I wouldn't use multiple effects. I don't use anything. There is any time-based effects other than delays. And you know, it's very much a case of learning things specifically. So I, I totally get where coming up with new sounds uh, can really inspire you. But my specific concern with that is, you can spend hours effing about with sounds, but not actually create anything. And I think that's the same problem I have with using um, like Logic or Cubase or Pro Tools. I'll sit there and I'll go, um, I'll sit there with a virtual synth and I'll, I'll sort of look at it and, and, and try 500 different presets and not actually make any music. So the more effects I have, sometimes it can lead towards um, uh, inertia. So you, you have this, it's like, you know, when you go onto the internet, and there's so many different things going on. You don't actually take any of it in. So you could watch five minutes of one video, five minutes. You know what I mean? It's so much such a deluge of content. And I think sometimes it's easy to do the same sort of thing. There's so much, so many options. You don't actually achieve anything. So if you can use a, a palette of effects like that, I more yeah, more power to you. That's brilliant. But I I can't really do it. So uh, whilst I admire people who can do that, I, I don't really work like that to be honest. So. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it can be very useful though. I think it's, um, I think if you can do that, it can be very inspiring, but, um, I, I don't really work like that myself to be honest, but yeah, I, I get where he's coming from. I totally get it. I mean, to be honest, if I had more money, I probably would buy more effects, but, um, it's, it's not like it's really an option to be honest. If, if I sell, sell many copies to sell the new album, if I sell enough to get a royalty out of it, you know I mean? I, I might treat myself. Get get some kind of uh, endorsement and they'll start sending you free pedals. Well, one of the good things actually this last year is someone gave me a really nice a company called Alden gave me these really nice handmade guitars to play now, which is just which is nuts because I'd never be able to afford them. It's like um, thirteen hundred quid guitars, thousand pounds, you know, guitars with these you know handmade beautiful guitars which is which is one good thing about becoming a much you know a better known musician is people give you free stuff and free stuff is good um especially when it's you know i i wouldn't just play anything that someone gave me because i need the tools to be able to do what i want to do but they gave me stuff that was actually really really good that i'd never be able to afford um to play and so that that's quite a good thing about having a you know a little bit of a reputation as a musician really to that they give you free things and you can sort of you can sort of you don't have to pay for them which is good <laughs> basically 
Um, but I'd like to more of that. I'd like, I'd like someone to give me an endorsement for pedalers and strings and for um, amps as well. But um, at the moment, it's just acoustic guitars. But they are amazing acoustic guitars, so I, I can't complain, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really amazing. Well, so this is a question we always like to ask on Music Life Radio, which is, what does music mean to you? I think music is a tool that... Um, to open different states of consciousness. Um, I think when you hear the music that really means a lot to you, it uh, it creates a link to your emotions that you can't get anywhere else. So you get the hairs in the back of your neck. Uh, you, 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 you know when that feel of you hear a great record, it's it's incredible feeling of exhilaration. It's not about amps or chords or anything like that. It's the magic that happens when you hear some music that really moves you. So it doesn't matter what equipment you use or what funny haircut you've got or what your influences are or anything like that. All, all that matters is that wonderful feeling of the international language that is music. And I know that through music you can get, you know, you can help people with with with, with any sort of learning difficulty or people of. Um, who are suffering with depression or people and you lift people to great states of euphoria that you can't do any other way. So I think music is means so much to me as a form of communication that it's, it's the most amazing thing ever. And it's, it's not even about just purely the music. It's, it's the states you can get to through music. So uh, it means everything to me. It's, it's very important. It's just a, it's a wonderful thing. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time. And um, would you like to uh, impart anything else to our listeners? Um, not really. I mean, really, it's just um, I, all I want to do with the music and stuff is um, just to keep going with it all, really, and keep doing new stuff all the time and, and treat. And I'm trying to do rock that's progressive rather than progressive rock, really. I want to do stuff that's that's going to be each time we put an album out, whether it's The Face of the Dead or Solo or with with anybody i think hopefully it'll be stuff that will challenge the people who listen to it and hopefully you know take them somewhere else because i mean as far as i'm concerned like you listen to a band like king crimson where they completely change their style all the time or sonic youth or the beatles and you know to be progressive in the truest sense and without being contrived to be progressive where you can just go you, know, you can just change things to, to try to be maybe fashion or whatever but to actually try and move rock music forward because i think rocks are wonderfully malleable style there's so many different things you can do to it so many different influences you can bring in and i think we're even we're just at the start there's so much more we can do with rock music is so different many different influences in terms of jazz you know chord substitution big band harmony and rock we haven't even started there's so much we can do we listen to joe pass or voivod or sonic youth or king crimson that could be the start of where we can take harmony with rock music and energy. You know, you can, well, imagine having the, the, the chords of Joe Pass with the energy of Black Flag and, you know, and there's so much you could do with rock. I think we, I think it's so easy to think, oh, we've done it all. And it's this, there's so much more we can do. Um, and I think we're just at the start, really. I think, you know, if it, 40 years ago, people were saying everything's been done with rock music and they were wrong there and they're wrong now. You know, this is just the start of it all. Where can we find your music online? Uh, Matt Stevens. If you just Google Matt Stevens, but if you Google Facing the Dead, facingthedead.com for the band. And uh, Matt Stevens with a V, guitar.com is, is my solo stuff as well. But if you just Google Matt Stevens, Lucid, it will come up. Um, 
we're all we're all there basically. So it's um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's if you um, if you um, want to find me, the albums on iTunes, Amazon, all that stuff as well. So yeah, it's all it's all um, it's all there really. Um, and yeah, it's just it's if people want to check it out, that'd be great. All right, man. I won't kill you. I'll, I'll speak to you soon, Josh. Take care, mate. All right. Um, All right. And send us that link. Yeah. Love to hear I your stuff. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll see you soon. Take care, man. Okay. You too. Bye. See you later. See you. Thanks for everything today. See you. Bye, mate. Bye. Bye. I'd like to thank my guest, Matt Stevens. It's been great talking with okay. you. You can check out more of his work at mattstevensguitar.com and also his band, fearsomethedead.com. I highly recommend both. Uh, the spooky action record as well as Matt Stevens' new one, Lucid. And we're going to play a track off that right here. It's called The Bridge. I'm Josh Almond for Music Life Radio.
Thank you.